1: Hello everyone, Charles, what's here? Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It's Thursday, which means, of course, we are edging closer to that massive, massive game at the Emirates this weekend. Arsenal versus Manchester City. The Champions League is now over, so we can start to focus purely on that game. We'll talk about that today. Talk about Bakaya Saka, of course, his injury, what's going on there, who potentially could replace Saka if he doesn't make it. At the weekend, got some good news about Miles Lewis Skelly signing his new first professional contract with Arsenal, one of the best young, talented players at the club. So that's good news. We'll discuss that. Declan Rice has been talking ahead of the game against Manchester City. Got plenty of your questions and comments as well. So lots to get stuck into today. Just quickly, if you haven't watched it yet or listened to it on your podcast, then uh, myself and James Bench did our inside Arsenal extra time yesterday. Uh, That went out in the evening. So if you haven't watched it yet, you can watch it on this channel or you can go and find it on your podcast as well. We talk a lot more in depth about what happened against Lanz about Saka. We talked a lot about Manchester City as well. So lots for you to listen to there. But if you just want to get today's show, then let's get cracking. And we will start, of course, with Bakayo Saka and what is going on now. Arsenal will be assessing Saka at the moment. They arrived back yesterday. We spent yesterday assessing him, seeing if he needed to go for a scan. I think we are going to find out We should find out or should get a very big clue today in terms of what's going on with Bakaya Saka because the England squad is due to be announced at 2pm for the internationals that are coming up. And if Saka's not in that England squad, then I think we all know that is a very clear sign that he will not be available for the weekend. He might be named in the England squad provisionally, of course, and if that is the case, then... That doesn't necessarily mean he'll be fit for the weekend. It could just be he's named in it provisionally, then the England doctors will take a look at him or they'll be in discussions with Arsenal over the next couple of days and then he might pull out at the end. But I think if he's definitely not in the squad today, as we've seen with Gabriel Martinelli when Brazil named their squad last week and he wasn't in it, it was a very clear sign of the extent of uh Martinelli's injury and I think we'll certainly get the same sort of thing so yeah Gareth Southgate's due to announce that squad at 2 p.m today so I think we'll certainly find out the very latest when it comes to Saka I mean I think it's pretty clear it's some sort of hamstring issue that's the initial reports that have been coming out from the camp after the game in Lons on Tuesday night and if that is the case I don't know you kind of look at it and just think even if somehow, remarkably, he is considered fit to play this weekend. And it's been the hot topic, hasn't it, since, well, before the game on Tuesday night, but certainly since the game on Tuesday night, about protecting Saka. If there is a way that he is somehow remarkably fit to feature on Sunday, do you have to err on the side of the caution anyway and just say, you know what? You've limped off your last three games. You've had ankle injuries, impact injuries. Now you've got a muscular injury as much as we want you to play against Manchester City, it's probably best to leave him out. And, you know, and I've been saying, I wasn't surprised he didn't get left, left out on Tuesday night. And I've got a lot of grief for that. Um, but if there is any sort of doubt over a hamstring and it's not just some sort of, you know, foot injury, impact injury, then I just don't think you can risk it. You cannot risk a hamstring because it will just go. If it's sort of half gone now, you chuck him in against Manchester City, it will go. So I've already kind of accepted I think, in my mind, that Bukaya Saka is not going to be fit for this weekend. And that's not based on information. That's just me sort of making peace with it <laughs> already, that he's not going to be available for this weekend. And nor is Gabriel Martinelli. And that is going to be a real, real shame for Arsenal, of course. And it just begs the question, what do you do? What is Mikel Arteta going to do to replace Bukaya Saka? Now, me and James were talking about that Um In yesterday's show, and we've had lots of comments and questions coming in in response to what we were talking about. We've had a bit of a sort of debate over whether he should have played at the week on Tuesday night. I thought he should have done. James said he shouldn't have done. Had lots of comments and questions. Here one from like uh, Amotep2012 says, Sakura started 85 games in a row. He is not rotated enough. Arteta is not good as he thinks he is. Common sense would say players should be managed better. Now he is injured. The team are not familiar with Saka being out of the team. The next casualty would be Rice because he will play every match as alone six Burns players out I, think, I don't know. Declan Rice plays every single match for West Ham for the last three years. It's not like nothing new that he's going to be a regular for Arsenal. So I don't really agree with that. Also, Saka hasn't started eight, five games in a row. He's been involved in eight-odd Premier League games in a row, but he hasn't started all of them. He started most of them, but not all of them. And he has been rested. He was rested last week against... Um, Uh, Brentford in the Caramel Cup so he has been rested and look I'm not I'm not defending Arteta here I've said it myself I think Arteta has managed Saka badly at times and there has been plenty of opportunities for him to get rest and it hasn't been taken And that's a shame. I just don't think that Tuesday night was the time to rest him. If he was considered fit to play, I don't think you rest him in a Champions League game, as I said yesterday. Um, But I'm not not sitting here defending Mikel Arteta for his management of Bukayo Saka because I think he has played him too much and he's passed up so many opportunities where he could have taken him off games early or he could have just not started him for a game. Um, And that is something he needs to work on. But in terms of Tuesday night, I'm still very much in the corner that, that I believe he should have started that game. Right, Gabriel Jesus, I had a chat with James about this yesterday, and I wanted to look into it a little bit more today and get your views on it. So if Saka doesn't make it on Sunday, who should play on the right? Now, I think it should be Gabriel Jesus. Um, And this comes from someone who was really annoyed when Gabriel Jesus was playing on the left and Eddie Nketi was playing up front in recent weeks. I just think Jesus is better on the right for a start than he is on the left. He's played on the right lots and lots of times. He's done it very, very well for Manchester City at the times he has done it. And he saw it towards the end of last season a bit when he has played over there for Arsenal. I think he's looked bright. And I think without Saka, I think that right-hand side is going to be a real issue because as much as I like Reese Nelson, I still think, I look at, I feel like Reese is much better on the left than he is on the right. So I'm not sure about Reese Nelson just replacing Bakaia Saka. I think, Jesus, you can move him there and you can play, get, I think you play Kai Havertz as the number nine Against Manchester City, um, and then you have either well, I think you have Party Rice and Odegaard as a midfield three. If Thomas Party is deemed fit enough to start, which is a risk because he wouldn't have played any minutes and get thrown into a game as intense as Manchester City, but if he is fit enough to start, I think you have a midfield of Party, have Rice as the sort of number eight, left eight, replacing Kai Havertz. You have Odegaard. You play Havertz as a false nine, where I think he's looked best whenever he's played for Arsenal. I think he played well there against City in the Community Shield. And then you have Jesus on the right and probably Trossard on the left. I would say I know Trossard wasn't great against Lons, but he was just coming back from a a couple of games out and he's a very good player. So I'd still stick with Trossard. I just think Jesus, what he could give you on that right hand side, can still bring that sort of chaos, I think, over there, which is going to stretch Man City and cause some problems. And it just feels like the right option for me if Saka isn't fit. But I don't know if you guys are going to agree with that. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Who should replace Saka on the right? Do you think Jesus? Do you think it should be Nelson? I don't know, Kai Havertz, Fabio Vieira. There are options. None of them as good as Pakao Saka, obviously. But for me, I just think the best way to go in this game, if Saka doesn't make it, is Jesus on the right, Havertz as a false nine. Um, and because it's City, have got so many big centre-backs now. They basically play four centre-backs, don't they, at times? I think with Havertz there, at least you have a sort of physical, some, someone physical up there leading the line who could give you that different sort of option that players could run off. So, yeah, Jesus on the right, Trossard on the left and Havertz as the false nine. If Bakaya Saka doesn't make it. let me know if you agree with me or not in the comments below. OK, Declan Rice has been talking ahead of the game at the weekend, you're um, speaking after the game against Lons when I thought Declan Rice was really, really good. I'm intrigued to see how Declan Rice plays in this game against City. If he does play as the left eight, I'm really interested how that works, how he dovetails with Tom's party playing as a six. Um, you know, when Arsenal signed Declan Rice, I was really excited about the potential of that midfield three, especially in the big games like Manchester City, Liverpool, something like that just real try and wrestle control of that game if you have Thomas Partey and Declan Rice playing together in the heart of midfield. So I am hoping that's what we're going to see this weekend. Whether it happens or not remains to be seen. But um, Declan has been talking about the season so far. Manchester City, Lons, this is what he had to say. So we're 10 games into the season, another 50 to go. We're just warming up and getting into our rhythm. But our full focus turns back to the league and it's a massive game on Sunday. Every game is huge and Man City is obviously massive. It is one we're going to be up for, that's for sure. We played them earlier in the season in Community Shield, which is a good thing. We will give absolutely everything on Sunday. For 90 minutes, we'll be going all out and hopefully we will come out on top. He also spoke about the Lons game and said, look, we dominated Lons in terms of the ball, but both boxes were key. They scored two great goals and we couldn't break down their back five. It's really tough to play against a team when they sit so deep and the gaps are not there. We'll take positives and the negatives. I think it's good for us as a team to have that loss as we bounce back and we we can still improve. Um, I'm not entirely sure it's a good thing <laughs> to have that loss. I'd much rather Arsenal have won. I can see what he means, um, but I'd much rather Arsenal have won. Whether it is a kind of wake-up call for the team, we'll have to wait and see. It's obviously the first defeat they've suffered this season. We haven't seen how they've reacted yet to a defeat this season. So it'll be interesting to see how they do react to that on Sunday. But yeah, I thought some of those were interesting comments from Declan Rice, who's going to be so, so important in the game, especially with no Rodri this weekend. Okay, before getting on to some of your questions and comments to round off today's show, Miles um, Lewis Kelly, this is great news. It's not unexpected news, but the fact it's now being confirmed by Arsenal today that Miles Lewis skelly has signed his first new professional contract with the club. You know, one of the highly, most highly rated players coming through the academy at the moment, uh, or having come through the academy at the moment. You sort of bunch that three of them together, don't you? Koscielny, Miles Lewis skelly and Iffanieri. There was all. All three of them were so influential in the run to the Youth Cup final last year. remember watching Lewis Skelly score a brilliant last-minute goal to send Arsenal to the final. He was really, really good in that game as well. A you know, real impressive young player who's so highly rated. He's um, trained a lot with the team so far. Not made his senior debut yet, but I'm sure that is only a matter of time. He's been speaking about his new contract. He says, it means the world to me. My boyhood club ever since I can remember to play for Arsenal. I'm truly speechless. It feels amazing. I'm so delighted because since I was a boy, I've been dreaming of this moment. To say that I'm a professional football player now is a dream come true for me. And I just want to thank all the staff and all my family that came to support me for the support around me. I couldn't be more grateful. So congratulations to Lewis Skelly, fantastic news that, and yeah, absolutely delighted to see that finally announced this morning. Okay, let's move on to some of your questions and comments, shall we? I've got one here in response to Manchester City's game yesterday uh, from AK1NW4ND3. Nice and catchy. Rolls off the tongue, that one. (laughs) Said, did you notice Pep resting key players yesterday ahead of the game at the weekend? Now they will go into that game fresh, whereas we have put 90 minutes into all our players and Sakura's picked up an injury. I don't know. I'm looking at the Manchester City team from last night. And I don't really see too many players being rested in that game. I mean, look at that starting 11. Edison, Walker, Akanji, Diaz, Guardaval, Lewis, Rodrigo, Bernardo, Foden, Grealish and Haaland. Um, I don't know. I mean, he did a rest rested Doku, maybe. who will start at the weekend. Probably will Doku start. Probably will. Uh, Alvarez might come back into the team, I suppose, for the weekend. But other than that, it's a very strong Manchester City team. I don't see too many changes. And I think it also, when you sort of look at this and you look at the options they have, certainly in the attacking options, that they have they are just stronger than Arsenal they can rotate they do have the option to retire. I'm sure if Arsenal had Alvarez um uh players like that then and Doku on they have more ability to rest someone like of Saka but unfortunately Arsenal squad just isn't as good as Manchester City's and isn't as strong as Manchester City's at the moment it's getting there it's getting stronger but I think certainly in terms of the attacking options it's just not strong and I don't think that's a secret we all know that um but yeah, I don't I didn't look at that Manchester City team think all oh, they've arrested everyone. I think a lot of those players who started in this game, Barring Rodri obviously he's suspended, um, a lot of those players are going to start the weekend against Arsenal. I'd be very surprised if he makes too many changes from from that start in eleven. Is one from Scott who says, with how effective Zinchenko can be in the middle and the final third, and with his abilities to find passes that can cut through defences, has anybody actually considered playing him in the left-sided eight role? Maybe not against Man City, but when party was out and Havertz was misfiring, he could have been the answer with Tommy occupy occupying the left-back role just remember how good he is for Ukraine in the middle food for thought. It's a good one, Scott. And it's one that I have actually been surprised about since he signed when he first arrived. I remember being told in a conversation that he was very much being earmarked for potentially that role in the Arsenal team. Um, Certainly to play minutes there, maybe not to be a regular there, but to be playing minutes there and to be fair, we've just not really seen it. And I am surprised because I do think he has all the ability to play that role and to play that role very, very well. You point out quite correctly that he plays midfield for Ukraine and you know, he's excellent there. He played against England recently. They've scored against England playing from that role. And he does have all the qualities you need to be a really good midfield player. We see it. He basically plays as a midfielder anyway. So, yeah, I am a little bit surprised that we haven't seen Mikel turn to that option, playing Asu at left back and moving Zinchenko into a midfield role. Obviously, he doesn't like it for whatever reason it is he thinks he's got better options to play that and he prefers to play Zinchenko coming from a little bit deeper but um yeah I think it's a really good really good point Scott thank you very much for uh for bringing that in and uh I, I 100% agree okay this is one from Pete who says why does ESR get a couple of shots are saved as a positive but Kai gets a nice volley and should be assist but you guys think he's useless little bit of bias here also think you're comparing Havertz to what Xhaka did Um also think you're comparing Havertz to what Xhaka did and why do you assume Mikel is asking him to do the same Havertz should have been should have four or five assists in all comps and that'd be second on the team It's a bit harsh he doesn't get any credit for people throwing away key passes I I mean this is in response obviously to Minor James's discussion yesterday on on inside Arsenal extra time um I, I can't actually remember really what I said about it but um I don't think there's a little bit of bias here and you know I'm not I wasn't having a go at Kai Havertz yesterday I just thought it was a you know I think it's becoming increasingly bigger problem and I want it to work I want him to play well there I want him to contribute and you're right he did have a good volley that was saved he did set up and I'm pretty sure I mentioned that yesterday when I said when I was talking about his performances I said he could have had the assist for Trossard and the volley which was saved. But and when I'm talking about Smith Rose impact, I'm not just saying, oh, we had a couple of shots saves, said a good impact. I I'm talking about his all-round performance when he came on, getting on the ball, making things happen, looking a threat. And I just think in that short space of time that he was on the pitch, for me, he offered more than Kai Havertz did in the far longer time that he was on the pitch and he and has done for pretty much the majority of the season. And you know, I want Havertz to be a success. Absolutely. And I think he's done plenty of good things since he's been in this Arsenal team, but I just don't think he's contributing enough to warrant starting these games. And the longer it goes on, I think the more it potentially is hurting Arsenal. The longer it goes on without him suddenly clicking into gear. And I think you're absolutely right. He is asking him to do different things from what Granite does. But you know, it's just it's it's difficult not to look at, say, the struggles inchenko's having this season and not put that down to Jacobi and not there. In terms of being able to drop in and fill that gap when Zinchenko goes forward, and that's not criticism of Havertz; he is being just asked to do a different role to what Granite is, and that's why Zinchenko and Arsenal probably have to adapt to that a little bit better than they have in the fact that Granite's not there now to sit in and drop back and fill in for Zinchenko when he goes forward. I'm not using that as a tool to have a go at Havertz by any means. I'm just we were just saying it as a as sort of matter of fact rather than rather than criticism. And I think you're absolutely right also to point out that Havertz has been pretty unlucky this season he could have had far more key moments in games and assists that haven't gone his way with players missing his chances so yeah I'm honestly I'm not having a go at Havertz I've been banging the drum of patience for Havertz since he arrived but I think that can only go on so long he needs to start contributing and um, and not sort of letting games pass him by a little bit and, um, yeah, and yeah that's all I was saying so um, yeah thanks for your comment though appreciate that as always um, I just wanted to talk about this before we end um just incredible a great name that wrestling uh wrestling uh name of the past it says greetings charles i've seen people saying they want liverpool to get the replay because they want spurs to lose to me this is utter madness one of out of the two of them surely liverpool is the biggest threat throughout the course of the season right why would we want them to have the possibility of three more points do people actually care more about the rivalry with Spurs than us having a chance of winning the title that's absurd but what do you think and this is obviously in response to Jurgen Klopp's press conference yesterday where he was talking about the VAR audio that was released from the mistake for the Liverpool Spurs game at the weekend he says the only outcome should be a replay it probably won't happen but something like that as far as I can remember has never happened that's why it should be a replay. What a load of rubbish from Mr. Clock. I, I honestly don't think he believes that either. And um, look, I get it was a terrible decision. It was an awful decision and it shouldn't have happened. And, you know, it's just pure incompetence at the very, very highest level. But the, the second you start to go down the route of replays for referee and mistakes, and that's what it was. It was a mistake. Yes. It was the, technology not being used correctly and you know a a miscommunication of us on a scale that we haven't really seen before but it's still a referee's mistake at the end of the day so as unprecedented as it is or was in terms of how it happened it is still a mistake and we see them all the time dreadful mistakes Arsenal had it last year when the referee forgot to draw the lines for Ivan Tony's goal against Brentford and that led to you know Arsenal losing two points in the title race are You going to replay that game? Are you going to replay? There was that, that game that Aston Villa a few years ago, wasn't it? Because it's Sheffield United when the goal crossed the line and it wasn't given. The goal line technology didn't work, and Sheffield United or whoever it was it ended up going down. Or was it Villa ended up going down that season? I can't remember. It feels too long ago. But there was, you know, there's been real catastrophic errors in the past. You can't go down the route. The second you go down the route of replaying games because of referees' mistake, it opens up football to a world of pain. Everyone will be demanding it over any sort of decision that goes wrong. It's just nonsense, I'm afraid. It's dreadful what happened to Liverpool. They have every right to feel really hard done by, obviously, because it was such an awful error from uh, a person who should not have been anywhere near so incompetent. But you can't replay a game. And in terms of your question there, Justin, uh, yes, I do believe that Liverpool are by far going to be stronger challengers for the, towards the top of the table this season than Tottenham. I think Tottenham will have a good season. I think they've got a good manager. I think they've made some good sign-ins. They've got a quite small squad, I think, at the moment. If they get some injuries, I think they might struggle a little bit. Certainly, if Madison got injured, I think they'd struggle for creativity-wise. I think if you're looking at title threats, Liverpool, for me, are far stronger title threat than Tottenham are. Um, so, yeah, I'd, <laughs> I wouldn't want You know, I don't want the game replayed anyway, because it's just nonsense, as I said. But uh, yeah, I'd be far more worried about Liverpool in terms of the title challenges than Tottenham this year, I have to admit. So I I agree with you there, Justin. All right, that's it from me, everyone. Thank you very much for watching or for listening. Today's episode of Inside Arsenal. Appreciate your time and your support as always. uh, Like I said, keep an eye out for that England squad announcement, 2pm this afternoon. If Bakayi Saka's name is in it or not, that will give us... A very good indication of what's going to happen this weekend against Manchester City. Mikel Arteta will be speaking to the press tomorrow ahead of that game against City. So keep your eyes peeled from that to see what he's got to say. I'll be back tomorrow to really sort of ramp up the focus on that City game as well. Until then, everyone, have a very, very good day and I'll speak to you soon.
0: Small details are big surfaces. target.